Okay. So you had another fight, another disagreement. It's like, man, are we ever going to stop fighting? Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey everybody, this is episode number 55, and we are going to be talking about disagreeing and doing so without destroying your marriage. So I think the goal here is not achieving zero disagreements. Mm-hmm. It's about learning to disagree productively. Yeah. That's why we called it How to Disagree Without Sinking Your Love Boat. Oh, that's a great title. You Thanks. must have come up with that one. I did, unfortunately. <laughs> All right. First, for Linda, a quick iTunes review from one of our listeners. All righty. Titled Awesome Podcast by TJH Canuck. So sounds like a Canadian, which is awesome. I have listened to many podcasts, and this one is one of the best. Knowledgeable information provided with humor. Great interaction between the hosts. Have detected no bias. Highly recommended to those seeking to improve their marriage. Thank you for that review, Mm -hmm. TJH Canuck. We really appreciate it. That's awesome. Like, if you want to make my day out there, just leave a review. Not that the world revolves around me or anything. You're that vain? Well, I know, I know. But it just, like, makes me happy. It is encouraging. Mm-hmm. Helps us keep doing what we're doing. That's so right. So thank you for that. Now I want to remember a distant, a distant, a recent disagreement we had. Mm, I don't like remembering those. That's okay. You won. <laughs> oh, I like those ones. I mean, I'm sure you do. <laughs> okay. So we were actually talking about a Sunday school lesson you were doing in the Old Testament. Okay. Yep. And you really wanted to emphasize the holiness of God as it was expressed in that passage. You remember this now? Yeah, I do. How we need to revere God and not be flippant or casual about how we approach him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I think you just want to intimidate these kids so you can force them to behave in a certain way. And that is not going to create genuine transformation. So mm-hmm. I came back with this really encouraging response to help you further develop your thoughts. Which created a long, awkward silence. Yeah. That was your fault though. Cause you refused to talk. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. <laughs> But here's the thing, okay? And this is this is this story is leading to where we're going with our our episode today, because you went completely around my harshness and came back with this very gracious response that totally opened a window into my own issues, okay? Which was awesome, right? So you framed it in the context of how certain values from my own family of origin conflicted with values from your family of origin, mm-hmm. and without worrying about who was right or wrong, you or me or my parents or your parents, like you kind of went to how those values influence how we emphasize differently certain attributes of God's character. So we have different perceptions almost of God because of our backgrounds. Yes. Or yeah. we, we are, we're more drawn to certain aspects. Okay. Okay. So the irony of this, of course, is that I was calling you to be more gracious in a very harsh way. <laughs> and yeah. you responded graciously to show me how I was being harsh. So. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now it's worth a chuckle, but it was a yeah. little tense for a few moments. There, but, but I think you're being gracious too, because as much as I, you think I responded graciously, I was um, sticking up for myself. Yeah, but you were, yes, which you're allowed to do. Okay, so, well, that's good. And that's kind of where I want to start for this topic today, because we could have had a long argument about theology and why you were wrong or why I was wrong. And we probably wouldn't have come to any agreement. Right, Yeah. But I think you highlighted a very critical point about how couples disagree. And that is this, the way that we handle problems more than the problems themselves is usually the problem. 
<laughs> right. The way that we handle problems and not the actual problem yeah. is usually the problem. Yes. Wow, that's deep. Yeah. So it's not the the content of the problem, it's the process of how we handle it. That's the issue. Okay. Right? Yeah. So and this this was a conclusion from a national survey of over twenty one thousand married couples from across the United States. So let's just kind of break this down as it applies to what the story we just told. Okay. The surface problem was theology and how to interpret it. Yeah. Okay. But the real problem was my harshness and I was kind of responding and reacting out of my own junk. Mm-hmm. Makes sense? And rather than reacting superficially, you pointed out how I was coming to it, how I was coming to it, and why I came to it that way. And you mm-hmm. did so softly in a way that I could receive it. Okay. okay so that's what worked really well. and Because that, that totally stopped us from derailing into an argument that was just more heat than light. Yeah, yeah. Right? And it created this insight. I had, you know, it was a a minor epiphany for me. I wouldn't give you credit for it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it tied me to descend to that level. And, but, you know, the researchers who did the study, they went on to say that conflict can be beneficial to a relationship if it is handled and resolved in a healthy way. Hmm. I like that. It is. Good. Why do you like it? Because I'm all for a little bit of, you know, conflict and heat. It just makes things more exciting. Uh-huh. Just, you know, if I agreed with everything you said, yeah. it would just be so boring. That would be. Yeah. Anyhow, but I'm glad. it would be a lot easier, too. <laughs> on you. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, once yeah. again, though, we need to emphasize it needs to be handled and resolved in a healthy way. Because conflict for the sake yes. of conflict is not healthy. Yes. Or, Whatever. So that's what we want to talk about is how to disagree like this and not sink your love boat and kind of give folks the, what's the, you know, the to-do behind this, okay? Okay. Because you totally diffused a bomb that day and it made for a much better day. We're on our way out for a day of shopping, right? Yeah. Then if you hadn't done that. So this set of skills, we really want to help our listeners understand. So number one, we're going to give you two things here. Number one is, at a very high level, you want to make sure your spouse feels understood. What do you mean at a high level? Well, what I'm saying is I'm going to give you some more detail, but this is just my title. Okay, yep. So this comes from giving them the space and the time to share their feelings and ideas during that disagreement. So part of this is really starting with taking their disagreement seriously. So Mm -hmm. you don't want to discount or or just dismiss out of hand your spouse's concerns. Mm -hmm. If it means enough to him or her that she has raised something negative or raised something of concern, you got to pay attention. Okay. Make sense? Yeah. So this is all part of making them feel understood because it's not about the content matter of the disagreement. It's about how you're going to handle this disagreement. So you're going, you're moving towards communicating that I understand you. Okay. So this is part of what is called person-centeredness. Now I'm coming to another study by Walden and Applegate. Person-centeredness is the idea of taking information that you're hearing from your spouse and incorporating that into the discussion you're having by referring to it. In that argument, in subsequent arguments, questions, or clarifying comments. When I mean subsequent arguments, I don't mean like three weeks later. I mean I was say. your retort, your response, oh, okay. your comeback, right? Yeah. So you see kind of what you're doing here, Verlinda. You're sending this very clear signal that I'm listening, I'm absorbing, I'm taking this in, I'm processing it because I'm using what you said and I'm actually addressing it. Okay. What? But I'm thinking like you did that in your harsh response, but it still wasn't the right response. You know, you'd used what I said when I brought up a concern. Mm-hmm. Maybe you just need to keep going and we haven't okay. finished it Let's here. Let's go a little further and see if it okay. comes clear. Okay. So, and this is where it might be where it's different, right? Because when you're, when you're listening to the other person, 
mm-hmm. and you're, you're using their words, their thoughts as you give them feedback or you respond or acknowledge, mm-hmm. you're not necessarily agreeing with anything. Yeah. So you haven't had to give up your own beliefs or your own possession. Okay. But it's actually really, really awesome because you're sending your spouse a very clear, simple message. And that message is, I am not shutting you out. I am hearing you. I get you. Your input matters to me. Yeah. And that, that's such a completely different signal than completely ignoring or dismissing their input. So bringing it back to our thing, if you had responded and just dismissed out of hand what I said, like I'd never even said it and you just kept hammering on your point, that oh, would be the opposite okay. of what we're trying to do here. Okay. Okay. Yep. Because you said, you're, you were telling me that your input matters, right? And it, just think of a moment, like, have you ever had a disagreement with a person and by the end, you're not even sure if they've heard one <laughs> thing you've said? Yes. Okay. <laughs> that drives me Nuts. Oh, I have to remember that. Hey. <laughs> well, my next comment is, it's psychologically manipulative. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you manipulator. I had a boss that wouldn't even look me in the eye when I was talking to him. He just stared over my shoulder. Oh. You know, after a while yeah. you start to wonder, am I a human being? Like, am I even on this radar? Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's very dismissing. Like you don't even to, count. To Yeah. So you really want to give your spouse the gift of feeling understood. Hmm. I mean, think though. At the end of the day, you want to know their truth. Yeah. Like I what? Mean, they're your spouse. What do they see? What do they believe? Yeah. The Bible says, "Know the truth; the truth will set you free." So, avoiding yeah. and dismissing is not the way through this, right? So, you get to that truth by listening well. So, there's one more part before we leave this point about listening and, and really making sure we understand. Also, from these researchers, Walden and Applegate, you owe it to your spouse to explain your position in a way that he or she can understand you. So this is not mm-hmm. just about receiving what they're saying and incorporating that and responding with that. This is now about the communication signal that you're sending back. Like, don't try and talk over his or her head or mm-hmm. in roundabout ways that are difficult to understand. You want to send very clear, simple, straightforward responses. Okay. Okay. And again, this can be another way that we kind of start to manipulate each other. Like we talk around things or we talk funny or we don't talk straight. Talking riddles. Yeah. And here's what they found. Your spouse will actually find you more attractive when they can understand you and track your arguments easily. Really? Yeah. So this is kind of a tactical strategy, right? You need to use language with meaning that your spouse can identify with and relate to. This is why I argue so much. So you'll just find me more attractive. (laughs) 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 I'm sure that's what they're getting at here. (sighs) How do we just go from quality to quantity? Okay. No, 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 no. Just Hmm. go back to your tactical strategy here. I really hope you listen to this podcast when we're done. Okay. So what they found. I had a nail found, in my pocket. You had what? A nail in my pocket. Oh, wow. At least you found it. You totally nailed it. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just going to keep hammering on my points here. <laughs> just keep going. Okay. I'm going to hit this one on the head. Couples that align their tactics for Linda do better than couples that don't. That's kind of stating the obvious, don't you think? Yeah. Yep. When they're trying to resolve them. It just makes the interaction so much easier to follow and to connect with. So communicate clearly and make sure you're receiving your spouse's input, processing it and feeding it back so that they get that you get them. In a way they can receive it. In a way that they can receive it. Okay. Yeah. Good. Number two. Mm-hmm. All right. Just two points today. We're going for the big important ones. Number two is to speak from a place of autonomy. Okay. So this gets a little nerdy, but just stay with me here. Okay. All right. So these researchers, me, Lonsbury, Patrick, and Cannavello, wanted to understand the relationship between self-determination and conflict 
in romantic relationships. I'm going to give you this in English in a moment, okay? Okay. This was published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology in 2005. So to be self-determined means that, relatively speaking, you govern your own behavior. So your actions are autonomous. They're freely chosen. Autonomous just means like you, independent. you choose them on your own. Okay. And you own this, that you, you can control that. Okay. It's not like you always make me whatever. It's like you do that and I choose the same thing every time. Oh, you know what I mean? Yep, yeah. That's autonomy, right? That's self determination. I'm determining myself how like I'm I going choose to, to react this way yes, every it's time. Owning that. Oh, okay. So, so your actions are freely chosen, and they are fully endorsed by the self. I endorse my own actions, rather than saying I was coerced and you know forced me to do this, or you make me act this way, or you mm-hmm. pressure me. It's like no, I own this, and it's a really nice way of saying that you feel free to choose to do what you want to do. Okay. Now, in marriage, this gives you the autonomy in this relationship because you're not feeling coerced or guilted into the relationship. You know why you're there. So I'm in our marriage because I choose to be here. Mm-hmm. Right? Not because I force you to be. Yes. So okay. people sometimes kind of freak out when they hear this, right? And they go, well, doesn't that mean you can bail anytime? Like, what if your choice changes? Mm. Uh-huh. So you're not really committed. Right. You just kind of like two ships in the sea. But it's not about independence to the point of like detachment or avoidance or rebelliousness. But mm-hmm. this whole idea of this autonomy, this self-determination used by these researchers, it reflects this very deep personal endorsement, like inner conviction Okay. of my actions and my involvement with my spouse. I am totally committed because I want to be, and I feel like I have chosen that. That's almost like more special though. Yes. Because then you like I'm have not chosen st- me. You're not stuck with me. No. Hmm. This is so romantic. Yes. So people who engaged in their marriages from this place are better adjusted socially and personally. Hmm. Now we have to really, you can ha- understand Verlaine, how when you're in an argument and you're frustrated, you can be like, I'm stuck with this stupid idiot. Or, you know, if he wasn't such a jerk, I wouldn't have exploded at him. Yes. But, but now, that, now you're starting to take ownership though. And say, no, I just chose to explode at him. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. So this autonomy, despite having this very sort of independent ring to it, is connected with being securely attached to your spouse. Because when you're in this place, you can have satisfying, honest, naturally occurring interactions with your spouse. So back to our argument. Mm-hmm. Okay, You kind of held on to yourself. It took you several minutes. Mm-hmm. That was the long, awkward silence, right? Yeah. But you didn't give away any of your position. Mm-hmm. And you didn't react in a way that distanced the relationship either. You chose to stay in it, even in the moment. Oh, okay. Right? So this is, this is why this works really well. And this is why that is such a great example for what we're talking today. Okay? And so we had a satisfying, honest, naturally occurring interaction. Felt a little difficult at times. Yeah. But that's part of natural yeah. for the world yeah. that we live in, right? So how is it that this you know, independent, autonomous, self-determined stance creates better conversations? Just to unpack it a little bit further. Are you asking me? Or were you just going to tell me the answer? Well, tell me what you think. Well, I think, what was the question again? Well, how does this independent stance create better conversations? Because then I'm not blaming you. Yeah. Like I'm actually taking responsibility for yes. my actions. Yes. And I think when I do that, it's not going to blow up the situation. Right. Because I think the other part going in there for you is you're not trying to save face either, which is often really, a big part of our reaction. Uh, what's that word? Defensive? Defensive, yes. yes. Okay. And because you're, you've moved away from all of that, it doesn't aggravate the situation. 
Mm-hmm. Like I basically said one sentence. Well, that could have escalated. Yeah. Okay. Because I was really mad. Yes. Yes, Just dear. Just saying. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Once again, good thing it's not a video podcast. <laughs> Come on. Daggers. Okay. So these researchers found that the more autonomous you perceive yourself to be, the less you're worried about saving face and blaming others because you don't feel like you need to protect your self-image. Hmm. That's good. Like, even in the workplace or whatever. Oh, this is universally applicable. Yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. Because you're acknowledging that where I am, or I am where I am because of choices I've made, so I don't need to protect my self-image. I can be more open to events and information that's coming up in my world, in our marriage specifically. Yeah. And then I can be more open to those. Yeah. Because... I'm less invested in the concern over whether these portray me in a good or negative light. Like yeah, I can you're not worried be an about individual. how you look. Yeah. You're kind of holding yourself and saying, okay, what does Caleb need here? Because he's obviously got something going on. Hmm. Stupid Interesting. idiot. Interesting. I didn't call you an idiot. <laughs> not even in your head? Probably not. Oh, good for you. Thanks. Were you calling me names? No, no, no. <laughs> Adjectives, maybe. <clears throat> okay. Moving right along, honey. Mm-hmm. So just to kind of pull this together, now, the conclusion that these researchers came to was that people who have higher levels of autonomy in their marriage, they had great, greater feelings of satisfaction following the conflict, which is... So people who have higher levels of autonomy had greater feelings of satisfaction following after, conflict. After the fight. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, so they would have held on to themselves, like taken responsibility for their own yes. stuff. So you didn't you didn't end up acting in a way that was out of keeping with your character, which would make you or feel... Or that I was ashamed of after. Yes. Oh, yes. okay, okay. Right? Yeah. So you, you kind of put aside the need to save face or to blame me back, and that created a much more satisfying overall outcome to the agreement. Disagreement. Disagreement. <laughs> <laughs> Because at the end of it, like you kept your perspective. I learned something. Yeah. We both had some insight and we both grew. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So for our audience, the next time you're facing a disagreement and let's just be realistic here. We don't, all of our agree, disagreements don't go this way. No, this kind of was a fluke, I think. <laughs> this one did. And then we had this and I'm like, oh, I should use that story. But we don't want to give you guys the perception that we have, you know, everything hundred percent down. But that's just hopefully a personal example that you can see and kind of get see how, how this works. Yeah. Yeah. Because it worked well for us in that moment. Okay. So the two things are, number one, work really hard to keep your spouse, to help your spouse feel understood mm-hmm. and help your spouse understand you. Mm-hmm. And secondly, you really want to be aware of how you're trying to save face or blame and set that aside. Own the fact that you've made choices that have brought you to this point and speak out of a place of a person who is making more choices, has the power to do so, to make right choices about how to respond in this disagreement. Hmm. Well, lots of couples say, you know, we always argue the same way and mm-hmm. about the same things and we end up in the same place every time. Right. Which is a very kind of disempowering mindset to be in. Yeah. Experience. So how can they choose a different story? Yeah. Well, that's the thing is they can choose a different story. That's your first step is under acknowledging that. Right. And that's the autonomy part, I guess. Yep. Choose a different response. Yeah. So remember that you have self-determination and you need to exercise it. You can exercise it. Yeah. So that can be hard to do. But if you are struggling with that, that is one of the reasons we do offer coaching to help train people to do this. And you can learn more about that 
on your on our website at onlyyouforever.com. This is definitely one great way that you can help your marriage out by exploring other options and possibilities for the arguments, disagreements, or conflict that you're having. Things you might not have even thought of to this point. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Well, that's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 55. So, you know, I already begged for reviews hey, previously, well but, you know, can you help us out, really? When we get reviews on iTunes, it helps more people discover our podcast. So, really, we'd be delighted if you could make a point of leaving a review today. Caleb has a simple 90-second video that shows you how to do this at oyf.link slash review. And there's some easy-to-follow instructions there. And we've even provided written instructions there, too. So thanks for doing that. And we'll see you next week. Over and under before we go. Yeah. Next week's episode is about housework. So, guys, if you want to feel like you're the man, you better get in that kitchen this week. Just saying. Oh, I have very opinionated opinions. Oh, my. About this topic. Well, we only talk about research, so you'll have to save those. (laughs) (laughs) Just you wait. (laughs) Oh, it's going to be a good one. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the OnlyYouForever.com podcast. Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at OnlyYouForever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Okay, so you had another fight. (laughs) Don't wink at me. Sorry. Hey, everybody. This is episode number 55. And we are going... (laughs) 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 You're such a dork. Good thing we don't video podcast. Let's try that again. I should do that for you someday. Hey, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, put your biceps away. Yes, dear. Where am I going to stick them? They're so big. (laughs) You're so pathetic. (laughs) All right, let's go.